It's been 21 years in the making, but Ross Taylor has done it. Kane Williamson has done it. New Zealand have done it. The Black Caps have finally won an ICC title. They are champions of Test Match Cricket. Welcome back to Views from Third Man. For those of you who are first-time listeners, this is a cricket podcast where we look at the events in world cricket from a fan's point of view. And today, we're reviewing the World Test Championship Final, a game of various different phases that was really just ruined, in my opinion, by the weather. Southampton gave us a lot of rain. Almost three entire days were washed out that resulted in the match going into the sixth day. Maybe there's just something about India not doing well in rain-affected games in England against New Zealand. Subtle throwback to 2019. But New Zealand eventually came out on top and both teams played fantastically. In whatever amount of cricket we got, we had a fantastic game. The teams bowled very well and in the end, the batsmen won you the game in a tricky run chase where India tried to put some pressure on New New Zealand. So, which team should we talk about first? I think we should talk about India first because the story of New Zealand is has a little bit of poetic justice to it and I wanted to save that for later. So, where did India go wrong? I think first of all, one has to acknowledge that New Zealand played very well. Yes, India were not playing their best game, but they were genuinely outplayed by a very good opposition. And as an Indian fan, you cannot just say India didn't play well. Siraj should have played. Rohit Sharma should be captain of the team. You should play KL Rahul instead of Pujara. Prithvi Shaw should come in and play. So Shubman Gill, all these changes that we think about, because again, it's another ICC title that India hasn't won. No. I don't think the team combination was the biggest problem India had. I think one has to acknowledge that Kyle Jamieson, Tim Saudi, Trent Bolt and Neil Wagner bowled incredibly well to restrict India's batsmen to very low scores. Because if you notice what happened, Rohit Sharma played himself in twice. Pujara, Rahane and Virat Kohli all had the opportunity to play themselves in. But New Zealand always applied pressure on them and the batsmen just weren't able to break free from that pressure. So... All credit to New Zealand's bowlers for bowling really well. What about India's bowling? Well, I think towards the end of the last few days, keep in mind Jaspreet Pumrah did have an off game in this test match. There was a lot of pressure on Ishan Sharma and Mohammad Shami because the footmarks didn't really develop. And the moment Jadeja didn't offer that much with the bat in this game because of how well New Zealand bowled, then he really wasn't adding much to the side apart from his incredible fielding. So basically, you were playing four bowlers and one of them had an off day. So there was a lot of pressure on Ishan Sharma and Mohammad Shami to bowl really well. And Shami bowled his heart out. Ishan Sharma bowled his heart out. But maybe India could have played Mohammad Siraj instead of Ravindra Jadeja. You can say that now in the benefit of hindsight. I mean, you could argue that in the second innings, if Jadeja had walked out and smashed a quick fire 50, then India would have saved the game and it would have been a draw. And you could argue that very well. But the fact of the matter is that over the last two years, India's tail has been averaging 15 in test match cricket. Playing Mohammad Siraj would have probably dropped that average round to about 10, but you also would have got more wickets and conceded less runs. So it's really a, a, a scenario where it could have gone either way. And now with the benefit of hindsight, one can make a call. And I don't think that's fair on the team. But the biggest problem India had was the batting. Yes, New Zealand bowled very well. But if you look at what happened, India's openers actually gave them a start in overseas conditions. But then the openers also wasted that start away. In the first innings, India put up 60 as an opening stand. But then they lost both Rohit Sharma and Shubman Gill in quick succession. That's not the ideal scenario. And this has become a trend, especially with Rohit Sharma. One can understand that Shubman Gill is young, going through a phase in his career. He's still trying to figure out who he is as a player. 
But Rohit Sharma, if you look at what happened in Australia and now in England as well, and in overseas conditions, the average is below 30 um, in overseas conditions, not just as an opener, but as a batsman in test match cricket. And Rohit Sharma consistently got those 30s and 80 balls. That works in Australian conditions and in South African conditions, where the opener's job is to blunt the new ball. You play out time. But in England, the older the ball gets, the more it swings. So after Rohit Sharma played himself in, it was on him to go and make that a 70 or an 80. That would really set India up for 300 plus total. And then the pressure that New Zealand's bowlers apply on Chiteshwar Pujara, Virat Kohli and Ajinkya Rahane. I mean, Kohli and Rahane in the first innings were probably playing their best and got some very good deliveries to get them out. But in the second innings, I think the dismissals of Pujara, Kohli and Rahane were turning points. If you look at the numbers, the numbers say that Virat Kohli hasn't got a test 100 since November 2019. What they don't say is that he's still averaging 45, which is very good. Ajinkya Rahane is coming off of a couple of very good hundreds, but the trend with Rahane is now he's not as consistent as he used to be. He gets a couple of centuries, he gets a few low scores, then he gets a couple of centuries again. And Zahani got a 50 in this match. The big problem is at number 3. Chiteshwar Pujara is brilliant at blunting the ball when the openers are not doing that well. That's why India won the Border Gavaskar series in 2018-19. In English conditions, Pujara blunting the ball does not work because as the ball gets softer, as the shine wears off, the Duke's ball actually starts to swing more. In Australia, they use the Kukabura ball where after you blunt it and make it soft, it pretty much stops swinging and then you can reap to the walls and get some runs. He's been averaging 30 since that tall. And yes, he helped India win the Border Gavaskar's Trophy 2020-21. But the way Pujara plays is not suited for English conditions. It's very well suited for pretty much any other country in the world, be it India, Australia, South Africa, the West Indies. But in England and New Zealand, blunting the ball does not work as effectively as getting a move on. So what Pujara was doing in the match essentially was trying to do what Pujara always does, which is play long. But by consuming so many balls and batting at such a low strike, rate. He was actually getting the ball to swing more and so he was digging himself into a hole by playing at a low strike rate and not being able to accelerate but was also making it more difficult for the batsman at the other end and usually that was one of Virat Kohli or Ajinkya Lahane. Two players who have it in them to do well in England but need some kind of support at the other end. I mean in 2014, Zahane had a brilliant English summer. In 2018, Virat Kohli got almost 600 runs in England. But it's because they had a little bit a little bit of support at the other hand, usually from Virat Kohli and Ajinkya Rahane. They supported each other. So Pujara playing that kind of a role doesn't work in English conditions. And it's a little bit of a worry going into the England tour that's coming up in about a month. And then Rishabh Pant, I mean... I really do feel for Rishabh Pant because he's been getting quite a bit of flack for not playing up to the mark. You'd expect Rishabh Pant to come out and play a counteracting innings, but the Indian bowlers were getting the ball to swing a lot, and he's only kept in one game in England. Rishabh Pant's keeping was fantastic in the game, but it's mentally very taxing to keep for almost 200 overs in the span of just three days. And Zavinza Jadeja, once again, New Zealand bowlers just pulled too well for him. So India's batting was a problem in this game, and their bowlers did a brilliant job of covering up for the batsmen but unfortunately it just wasn't to be. So what about New Zealand then? 
I think there's an element of poetic justice when it comes to New Zealand. New Zealand are the nice guys of cricket. Everyone's second favorite team. You love watching New Zealand play for the manner in which they carry themselves, but that hasn't always translated into results. Yes, they're the number one test team. Yes, they're the number one one-day team. Yes, the best test batsman in the world is probably Kane Williamson. Yes, the best one-day bowler is probably Trent Bolt. Tim Saudi has got over 60 wickets in the World Test Championship, but New Zealand never really were contenders in ICC tournaments until 2015 when Brendan McCullum took over in that magnificent campaign where Australia came out and said they're almost too nice for us to play against. We'll feel bad if we beat them. And New Zealand lost the World Cup final in 2015. Um, they got knocked out in the semi-finals against England in 2016 in the T20 World Cup. Bangladesh stunned them in 2017 in the Champions Trophy. And 2019 at Lords in England was heartbreak for them. I mean, everything conspired against them in that final. The conditions, the match, everything was just against New Zealand. It was almost like it was England's day. The conditions were against them because the ball stopped swinging. A New Zealander in Ben Stokes playing for England won did not win the game from them, but essentially took the game away from New Zealand. They lost the World Cup without actually losing the match. It was almost as if things were over for them. And then all of a sudden, this World Test Championship started. This cycle started. And again, the rules did not play in New Zealand's favour in 2019. But if you compare the two tournaments, New Zealand did not change their style of playing. They played good percentage cricket to qualify for the finals or to qualify for the knockouts. They beat Bangladesh. They beat the West Indies. They beat teams at home. And they played relatively well away. They drew Pakistan and they lost to Australia. In the 2019 World Cup, they beat Bangladesh. They beat the West Indies. They beat Pakistan. They beat Afghanistan. Well, they had a close encounter against Pakistan. They lost to Australia. Their India game got drained out and they lost to England. Then they beat India in the semi-finals by really a whisker and then went on to the finals and did not lose the World Cup, but lost the World Cup because England won because of that super over rule. This time, the exact opposite happened. The rules worked in New Zealand's favour. The conditions conspired for them. The ball started swinging. There was overcast and essentially it was just meant to be. Nice guys don't always finish last. You eventually get the reward for the hard work that you do. And no one personifies that better than this New Zealand team. This generation of New Zealand cricketers, captained by Kane Williamson, with players like Ross Taylor, BJ Watling and Tim Saudi in the side, are the greatest generation of New Zealand cricketers the country has ever seen. They only have 5 million people. They have more sheep than people. And cricket is the secondary sport over there. I mean, Simon Duell once famously said, in New Zealand, rugby is the favourite sport, the second favourite sport and the third favourite sport. And then there's cricket at number four. But for such a small country with such limited resources, defeating India in the final of a World Cup was a fantastic result. And this could galvanise cricket in New Zealand. Test match cricket in New Zealand has been coming back strongly and has really been pioneered by Kane Williamson. So very happy for New Zealand. I mean, as an Indian cricket fan, I can safely say now that if I, before this cycle started, I would have said, if not India, I want New Zealand to win. And I'm pretty sure every single Indian fan probably felt the same way. But the fact that India beat New Zealand is just making all of us just look at each other and frown a little bit saying, uh, what just happened here? So on the World Test Championship overall, I think COVID really hampered it a little bit because, again, there was a point system and then a percentage system. But going forward, the big question will be playing the final in England during the monsoon. When 
it's monsoon all year round in England, actually. But the main question is, should it just be one match or should it be a three-match series? I think in the long run, a three-match series would be better. I think there should be a fixed number of points for every game and each team should be required to play a fixed number of games as part of the World Test Championship. Now, I know that may not always work for teams. Let's say the ICC says there's a total of I don't 720 points available. Each team plays 12 games and irrespective of the length of the series, you get 60 points points per game, 30 for the draw, 30 for the tie or something along those lines. And let's say a team like India, which plays 20 test matches across two years or a team like England, which plays 13 to 14 test matches in a year, you could actually have some series which aren't a part of the World Test Championship. So countries can maintain their contacts, their contracts, sorry. And then the final gets played in England every two years. The next final is supposed to be in the year 2025. I don't know which team is going to qualify for it. World cricket could look completely different at that point with bio bubbles and various different kind of COVID restrictions. But in terms of adding context to test cricket, in terms of making Test cricket more interesting, this tournament has knocked it out of the park. With this final, with Ben Stokes' heroics at Headingley, the Border Gavaskar series of 2021, and slyly in the corner, the West Indies and Sri Lanka pulling off incredible results against Bangladesh and South Africa. Sri Lanka beating South Africa in South Africa, and Kyle Myers on debut, chasing down over 400 against Bangladesh on spinning tracks in Dhaka, scoring a double hundred on debut. Every single team has added something to this World Test Championship and it's been a very successful tournament. New Zealand winning it was almost a kind of poetic justice given all that happened to them in 2019. That's a loss that would be very difficult to overcome. But if there was a way to do it, it would be to win the very next ICC title. India still waiting to win one, but I'm sure there'll be plenty of opportunities for them to do so in the near future. So that was our podcast for this World Test Championship final. Greatly enjoyed talking about it. Test cricket is the purest form of the game and adding context to it may just have saved it as a format.